0: Mike, for those of you who don't know me, I'm married to Fliss and we've got three kids Kezia, Toby, and Erin. I like uh, hiking, climbing, and sailing when I'm not here, um, and I work as a doctor. So we're getting back into Joseph. I think we've had a couple weeks uh, break from Joseph. Um, so I'm just going to give you a little kind of recap, just those of you who've not been here before, so you've not heard the kind of what's leading up to it. So we've, we've heard very briefly, Joseph was the the Child of Privilege, and the series we're doing is called Privilege Prison Palace. So he was a, he was a favorite. He was the one who got everything showered upon him. Um, his brothers didn't like that. They were jealous, so he got done in. He got sold as a slave. He got sold into Egypt, and he worked as a slave in Potiphar's house. And he did really, really well, worked his way up, uh, became head of the household, and then he got accused of something he didn't do, ended up in, in the king's jail And then the king's jail, he was doing really well as well, serving, earning favor, um, waiting on God. And where we got to, there'd been two other guys in the prison with him. They'd had some dreams. Joseph had had the interpretation of those dreams from God. He'd given that interpretation to them. And the guy who'd had the really good dream, he said, please, when you get out of here, because that's what the dream was about, remember me to Pharaoh, mention me. I've been stuck in this dungeon. I want to get out. And the last thing we hear at the end of chapter 40, where we were last, is Pharaoh's chief cupbearer forgot all about Joseph, never giving him another thought. So we've kind of been left on that um, tenterhook, if you like. So we're going to look at a few things today. We're going to look at how does this fit into God's big story. Um, we're going to look at what it says about God, and what does God look like in what we're reading this morning? What do we get to know about God? What's he like? And what practical lessons are there for us? There's a few things that we can learn. And also looking at Jesus being a better Joseph. Joseph is is a pre-runner. Joseph shows us things which happen in Jesus to a much greater extent. So we're going to look at the things that we see in Joseph that we can look forward and see are these little glimpses of what Jesus is like? So I'm just going to pray to start and then we'll read. So Father, thank you for your word. It's amazing. It's been a real privilege just to have time to study one passage and get stuff out of it and see so many wonderful things about you, Lord. We just pray that you would speak to us this morning, Holy Spirit, that you would bring what I'm saying um, really relevant to people, you'd speak into people's hearts, and you just, you say your word is living and active, and we thank you for that. So we, we, pray, we thank you that it speaks for itself, um, and we just welcome you to speak to us this morning. Amen. Amen. So I'm going to read, so this is Genesis 41, 1-39. to So after two whole years... Pharaoh dreamed that he was standing by the Nile. And behold, there came up out of the Nile seven cows, attractive and plump, and they fed in the reed grass. And behold, seven other cows, ugly and thin, came up out of the Nile after them and stood by the other cows on the bank of the Nile. And the ugly, thin cows ate up the seven attractive, plump cows. And Pharaoh awoke. And he fell asleep and dreamed a second time. And behold, seven ears of grain, plump and good, were growing on one stalk. And behold, after them sprouted seven ears, thin, and blighted by the east wind. And the thin ears swallowed up the seven plump full ears, and Pharaoh awoke, and behold, it was a dream. So in the morning his spirit was troubled, and he sent and called for all the magicians of Egypt and all its wise men. Pharaoh told them his dreams, but there was none who could interpret them to Pharaoh. Then the chief cupbearer said to Pharaoh, I remember my offenses today, when Pharaoh was angry with his servants, and put me and the chief baker in custody in the house of the captain of the guard, we dreamed on the same night, he and I, each having a dream with its own interpretation. A young Hebrew was there with us, a servant of the captain of the guard. When we told him, he interpreted our dreams to us, giving an interpretation to each man according to his dream. And as he interpreted to us, so it came about. I was restored to my office, and the baker was hanged. Then Pharaoh sent and called Joseph, and they quickly brought him out of the pit. And when he'd shaved himself and changed his clothes, he came in before Pharaoh. And Pharaoh said to Joseph, I've had a dream, and there is no one who can interpret it. I've heard it said of you that when you hear a dream, you can interpret it. And Joseph answered Pharaoh, it is not in me. God will give Pharaoh a favorable answer. Then Pharaoh said to Joseph, behold, in my dream I was standing on the banks of the Nile. Seven cows, plump and attractive, came up out of the Nile and fed in the reed grass. Seven other cows came up after them poor and very ugly and thin such as I had never seen in all the land of Egypt and the thin ugly cows ate up the first seven plump cows but when they'd eaten them no one would have known that they'd eaten them for they were still as ugly as the beginning then I woke I also saw in my dreams seven ears growing on one stalk full and good seven ears withered thin and blighted by the east wind sprouted up after them and the thin ears swallowed up the seven good ears and I told it to the magicians but there was no one who could explain it to me And Joseph said to Pharaoh, The dreams of Pharaoh are one. God has revealed to Pharaoh what he is about to do. The seven good cows are seven years. And the seven good ears are seven years. The dreams are one. The seven lean and ugly cows that came up after them are seven years. And the seven empty ears blighted by the east wind are also seven years of famine. It is as I told Pharaoh. God has shown to Pharaoh what he is about to do. There will come seven years of great plenty throughout all the land of Egypt, But after them, there will arise seven years of famine, and all the plenty will be forgotten in the land of Egypt. The famine will consume the land, and the plenty will be unknown in the land by reason of the famine that will follow, for it will be very severe. And the doubling of Pharaoh's dream means that the thing is fixed by God, and God will shortly bring it about. Now therefore, let Pharaoh select a discerning and wise man, set him over the land of Egypt. Let Pharaoh proceed to appoint overseers over the land and take one-fifth of the produce of the land of Egypt during the seven plentiful years, and let them gather all the food of those good years that are coming, and store up grain under the authority of Pharaoh for food in the cities, and let them keep it. That food shall be a reserve for the land against the seven years of famine that are to occur in the land of Egypt, so that the land may not perish through the famine. And this proposal pleased Pharaoh and all his servants. And Pharaoh said to his servants, Can we find a man like this? in whom is the Spirit of God. And Pharaoh said to Joseph, since God has shown you all this, there is none so discerning and wise as you are. Excuse me, i want to play my nose. So, there's quite a lot in that passage. I think the first thing is the very first bit, the opening passage, after two years. So, we've got a complete break between the chapters here. Joseph's just been in prison for another two years. We don't know what he's been doing. We know that beforehand... He was just being faithful, doing what God had given him to do, serving there, um, but he was just waiting on God. He was waiting for release and, um, and he was waiting for favor because he'd, he'd responded, he'd asked the prisoners what's going on, he'd noticed something, he'd responded to God, but he's still waiting. And sometimes, maybe, you, maybe you're feeling like that actually, <laughs> sometimes we're in situations where God's spoken and he'd had dreams. And then we're waiting to see what is happening with that dream. What is going on? And Joseph, at this point in the story, is what is going on? And the people of Israel, when, that, when Genesis was written, they were wandering in the desert. They were waiting to come into the promised land. So there's a lot of, I think, I think that's quite an important thing to, th- to think about at the beginning, that uh, this is really relevant to you particularly if you're in a season where you're really waiting uh, for God to do something that he's spoken about for Difficult circumstances you're in. I think you can really have a parallel with Joseph. You can really understand what's going on here. So I'll come back to that. So Pharaoh dreams. He has two dreams. Similar themes. And dreams were thought to be messages from God. From God or gods in kind of Egyptian culture. And the Nile, the river, because it was kind of the center of everything in terms of fertility. The land doing well. It was almost... in in the culture, it was almost deified like a river god. So these dreams being about the Nile would have had for Pharaoh a real sense of, it wasn't just any old dream, it would have been really clear to him that this is a significant dream. Um, And then maybe you have dreams. God speaks to us in lots of different ways. Sometimes God speaks in dreams. Sometimes God speaks in other ways um, that, that we can understand. Sometimes he gives us pictures. Sometimes we might have thoughts. Sometimes other things, you might know, sense things, uh, but God speaks. Um, and just to illustrate that, I mean, this is an unusual story, but when I was 18, uh, I was getting ready to go to Kenya on my gap year, and I'd been doing some fundraising for that, lots of different things. And God was amazing at providing through that. Well, I went on a holiday with a friend to America. We went out one day, and uh, we went to kind of an inland lake. We went swimming, and we were swimming. We had a good time swimming, and we were getting out, and this guy came up to me introduced himself. He said, this is going to sound really odd, but I felt God say, he wanted me to come over to you and, um, and, and say hi, and he wants me to give you some money for what you're doing next year. And he gave me, I can't remember, it was a couple hundred bucks, I think, um, and, um, w- which I needed <laughs> for, for, for what I was doing. That's just a little example, but God spoke to him. He acted. I was blessed. I was able to go and do what I was going to do. Um, but God speaks in lots of different ways and, and acting on that is, is important as well. And that was a really important year for me. So actually, God speaking to that guy, that guy acting on it, had a really important effect. Other things that happen in dreams. So we've got some friends working in the Middle East and lots of stories we hear at the Middle East, particularly Muslims having dreams about Jesus. We hear this over and over again. People who are seeking God, they have a dream, they encounter, often it's a guy dressed in white. They don't know who he is, always. It's not always obvious. But they meet someone who's amazing, who seems you know, bright, shining, kind of holy. They think this is, this is to do with God. And, and there's often something in the dream to do with a book or to do with finding people. And they're led to people through that. So God is speaking to people in dreams. God is speaking to people who don't know him in dreams. Here he's talking to Pharaoh, someone who doesn't know him in a dream. So, so what is God like? God is a speaking God. He loves to communicate. He loves to communicate to us. He loves to communicate to other people. He's always talking. He's always wanting to make himself known. You know, We say that the heavens declare the glory of God, so we know he, he speaks in that way. He declares himself anyway in what he's made, but he speaks in so many other ways. Uh, even when we're not listening, he's still speaking. And Pharaoh's not asked for this dream. He's not been seeking. He's just been given a dream because... God's good. God wants to do something in this situation, so I think that's something for us to think about as well. We can just making space to listen to God, appreciating that God talks in lots of ways, and I'll talk about that. But you know, He talks in Scripture as well as more ways that we might find more fantastical or more fabulous. But He's He's always wanting to talk to us, and Scripture tells us that as well. In Joel two twenty eight says, "In the future, your old men will dream dreams, your young men." we will see visions, so God's laying out in a kind of expectation that he wants to engage and talk with his people. So those are the dreams, we'll come back to those when Joseph goes over them again. So come to the next bit, verse nine, and Joseph is remembered, the chief cupbearer, suddenly, two years have gone by, he's completely forgotten about Joseph, and then suddenly the dreams come back and he remembers that guy in the prison, he could interpret dreams. And so he, you know, he mentions it, he says to Pharaoh, this is the guy you need. And so just as, jo- just as Joseph asked, it's happened, not just as Joseph asked, because Joseph didn't want it to take two years, and he's had all this time waiting, presumably being faithful, presumably going on, doing all the things he was doing before. And Stuart talked last time just about the fact that what you see in Joseph is he just gets on, he gets... Stuck in Potiphar's household, the lowest of the low, and he gets on with it and does really well. He gets stuck in prison and he gets asked to serve and look after the other prisoners and he gets on with it. And presumably he's been just getting on with it for another two years, just plodding along, just doing the day-to-day, waiting, waiting. And this is the moment where suddenly that, that dream that he's had of being out of prison is, is beginning to be realized. And God's remembering Joseph because God hasn't forgotten about Joseph. Um, And so sometimes we like God's plans, but not always His timing. And in Romans 8, says that we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good, for those who are called according to His purpose. And that doesn't mean that things always work out how we're expecting them or wanting them, but we know that God has a purpose uh, and is working out His purposes for good. So Joseph's remembered, he's brought in to Pharaoh, and then Pharaoh tells him the dream, and he basically restates the dream again. He maybe emphasizes things a little bit. He you know, really gets on about the cows. I've never seen a cow like this. They were really, really, they were but ugly. They were the worst cows I've ever seen. But he basically restates, this is what I've seen. And these two dreams, what, what's going on? And then Joseph interprets the dreams, and... We're not sure why, why the magicians couldn't interpret the dreams. Maybe they thought that the two dreams were about different things. Not really sure, maybe they just didn't have a clue. But Joseph says, no, God's spoken to him. The dreams are one, they're about the same thing and that they're a parallel. They've got the same meaning and the meaning is God's gonna bless the land, it's gonna be amazing, it's gonna be great. And then it's gonna be really, really hard. And this is the right answer. This is the answer that Pharaoh asked for. And I think, it's really, I think this bit's really interesting. I mean, Joseph could have said anything here. He could have thought, gosh, I'm, I'm before the king. This better be good um, because I've just got out of prison. I don't want to make him angry. Maybe he'll hang me like he did the baker. So maybe I'll just tell him, oh, it's going to be amazing. You know, you're going to, it's just these dreams are about plenty, and um, I'll say something else about about the thin cows but, but Pharaoh, everything is gonna be great and Pharaoh will lift me up and, and be so happy that I've brought him this great meaning of the dream. That would be great, but he, he doesn't. I mean, he brings something which presumably could have been quite scary to bring. He could have thought, you know, I don't know how I'm gonna say this. Um, I don't know what Pharaoh is gonna do when I say, actually there's bad news coming. But he's just faithful, he, he's not a people pleaser. He's not evidently scared of Pharaoh. Um, he doesn't have fear of Pharaoh. He's not worried about Pharaoh's response. He's evidently got fear of God rather than fear of Pharaoh. He, he knows that doing what God says is more important. So he, he says, right, he gives him the interpretation, even though it's hard, even though he might get an angry Pharaoh coming back at him for, for saying that. Um, and I think that's you know he's, he's really bold in that. Um, and... I think that's that's really amazing. I think that's something to just kind of think about because we can sometimes, sometimes, God will speak to us, and it's not always rose-tinted, and it's not always wonderful. Um, and life is not always rose-tinted and wonderful, and difficult things are happening. But we know, again, God has a purpose, and so, and we'll get onto that as as Joseph starts talking about what they should do about it, and. He's not only giving the interpretation of the dream here, but he goes on. He's really bold. He says, he just carries on talking. And this is what you need to do about it, Pharaoh. Pharaoh hasn't asked him what I should do about it. Pharaoh hasn't asked for an opinion. But he just steps out into what God's shown him. And God's given him some wisdom. God's given him some initiative. And so he starts stepping out and saying, this is what I think you should do about it. This is what I think God wants to do about it. Um, and he says, you know, God has shown it to Pharaoh. God's going to bring it about. God's shown it to Pharaoh so that the land can be safe, so that God can do something amazing and save people through it. So again, he's he's giving the glory back to God. He's pointing to God, and like he did before in the prison with the butcher and the baker, uh, with the cupbearer and the baker, he said, it's not in me. I'm not interpreting this dream. It's God who's interpreting this dream. It's God who's the one who shows things. It's God who reveals things. He's always passing it back to God. He's always glorifying God in it, saying, this is what God is like. And also, there are some gifts here. So, I mean, Joseph has some gifts. He's been a steward in a house. He's been an administrator. He's been a farmhand when he worked for his father with his brothers, he's been looking after things. So he actually, he's using some of his natural gifts. He's not just being crazy and saying, right, this is what you need to do. This isn't really my field and anything about it. He's just stepping out in a way naturally in the gifts that God's given him. God's already equipped him in this way and he's stepping out and saying, because it's kind of coming naturally to him because he's used to looking after things. He's He's run a household, he hasn't run a country before, but it's kind of the next step up in a way um, and God gives all these different gifts to us. When we read in the, in the New Testament about the different spiritual gifts, we hear about gifts of healing. We hear about tongues, interpretation, prophetics, miracles, and helping and administrating. Those are all spiritual gifts. We might not think of helping as spiritual. We might not think of hosting people in our home as spiritual. We might not think being great at administrating as spiritual or as Um, more than just, well, that's just what I'm like. But actually, the Bible says differently. the Bible says those are gifts that God gives you. So if you're good at some of those things, they're not less good than someone who prophesies or someone who can speak in tongues or someone who can pray for someone to see them healed. They're all amazing gifts that God's given. And God gives these amazing gifts to Joseph. And we're going to see, in particular, we're going to see next week how those gifts are used. Uh, because they used it in an amazing way for this nation of Egypt and for the nation of Israel. So don't think lightly of those gifts. If, you're, if God's gifted you with those things, pursue that. Do the things, I think, as we've been hearing about Joseph, step out in the things that God has given you to do, because he will bless others through you. And the key thing he was always saying to Israel, the promises to Abraham were, I'm going to make you a blessing to other people. It's not just for you, but you're going to be a blessing to the nations. So Joseph's been faithful, he's carried on what he's good at. And he's had courage. He, there were opportunities here. And sometimes there are opportunities when when people are in a difficult place, in a difficult time. Sometimes in a difficult time of life, those are times when there are opportunities. Not something that we should kind of take advantage and barge in, but sometimes it just opens up for us opportunities to, to speak to people, opportunities to Tell people our story. In this case, Pharaoh is troubled. Pharaoh is not having a good day. <laughs> Pharaoh is not feeling well. He's really, really perturbed by this dream. And there's an opportunity. So Joseph steps in. When the prisoners were troubled, he saw they were troubled. I mean, you'd think they were troubled. They'd been in prison. But this is a given day. They'd been in prison the whole time. But on that particular day, he noticed these guys are really flat today. There was something else going on. And he took the opportunity. What why your face is so downcast. So he's taking the opportunities God's giving him to speak into uh, and not taking shortcuts with it. And what he's done, responding with that courage, it, as I was saying, it changes a nation. I've got another story to, to tell you about, about hearing from God and, and stepping out. So we met some people when we were in Zimbabwe. Um, the Cunninghams, and Peter Cunningham, who's a kind of older guy in the family, he was a farmer, they ran an ostrich farm, and he had a dream from God, and God basically spoke to him and said, that dry riverbed at the bottom of the farm, I want you to dam it. And there hadn't been any water in that river for I think a couple of seasons. He said, I want you to build a dam across this riverbed. So this is like Noah in the middle of the desert building a great big ark. And when I was in Zimbabwe in 2007, I walked across that dam over the dry riverbed. It was a dry riverbed. <laughs> they were building some bits for the farm to make an, turn it into an agricultural college for students to bless the community around there, to teach guys how to work the land better, to skill people up, and then also Bible teaching and things, like kind of make some community pillars. Um, but when I walked over it, it was a dry riverbed. But he'd done what God had said, he'd built this dam. I think everyone thought it was crazy and that filled up. That filled up, and that water that filled up from damming that riverbed was used for the college, and the college has grown. It's been a massive blessing to the community, and so they started blessing the community. And then recently, in the last six months, the government tried to seize that land, uh, to give it to an official, which has happened a lot in the rest of the country, but the Cunninghams had been lucky, I think, that they'd kept hold of their land this whole time, they'd, and they'd used it to bless people. And the government came in, said, no, we're just giving your land to this guy. This guy has the, has the rights for the land now. And they prayed and prayed and prayed. And this went, it went everywhere. They had meetings, the whole community, because they'd been blessing the community in that area so much through what they were doing. The whole community was totally around them. Everyone was outraged, not just them, because it was their land, because it was their farm. Everyone was outraged, not just the church, everyone outside, everyone who lived in that area, they all gathered together, they prayed, it hit national press, it hit everywhere. And eventually, lots of meetings, people from government coming down, the government, they turned right around. And they said, fine, we're not gonna give it to this guy. <laughs> we'll find some land somewhere else for this guy, this official who he wanted to get some land to. And they, they've got it back. And they're already looking at expansion, doing new things with it. They use it for kind of youth camps and kind of summer camp type things as well because they've got a big campsite there. And they're already looking to other things. like God's already speaking about expanding. And that's been a, a lesson in faithfulness itself. But it's really not just impacted even the people. So initially they were impacting obviously all the guys who they're training up, who are going back to their communities, able to farm, but they've, and the families of those but actually now they've had a massive impact on a national level because of, because of what's happened and this is all stemmed from a guy damming up a dry riverbed because God said <laughs> I want you to do it so hearing from God responding to the things that God says to you it can be amazing it can be nation changing and I think what we've seen in Zimbabwe is beginning to be nation changing and what Joseph is doing here is absolutely nation changing as you're going to see more of in the next preach I think the other thing that that's links what's happening in this chapter with what's going to follow and what Joseph goes on to tell them to do at the end of it is, is wisdom and Joseph has got a lot of wisdom here in telling them telling Pharaoh what, what he thinks he needs to do so I think how do we get wisdom I think the first thing is that so it's in Proverbs in several places, Proverbs 1, verse 7, Proverbs 9, verse 10, and probably lots of you know it, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and Joseph's got that, he, he, he knows that God is in charge, he's got that kind of appropriate fear of God that God is amazing, not, not scared out of his wits, fear, but he's, he's fearing God. You know, when, when Potiphar's wife said, come on, come sleep with me, please, sleep with me, over and over and over again, he said... How could I do such a thing against God? He didn't say no for other reasons. He said, how could I do such a thing against God? Because God was foremost in his mind, foremost in his heart. And the word of God, the Bible, gives us wisdom as well. Proverbs 2, verse 6, the Lord gives wisdom from his mouth come knowledge and understanding. And at the beginning of Proverbs in chapter 1, it just talks about the Proverbs of Solomon made for wisdom and knowledge and understanding, helping us to, to know what we're going to do. So... The Proverbs especially, but Scripture is a brilliant place to get wisdom from. And they're from other people, imitating other people. We can get wisdom. And Joseph is a bit like Jesus in this. We talk about imitating Jesus, imitating Paul. And here we've got Joseph, one in whom the Spirit of God is. We can imitate people who, who we see, who we're around, who we're friends of, who have got wisdom. We can spend time with them. We can learn from them. We can get stuff from people who've got God's wisdom as we spend time with them. Um, and wh- when I, well, I lived in Kenya for a year, I had a kind of two-week break in the middle, and um, the guy I was with went and had a brilliant two weeks on the beach, and, and I um, went up country and spent a couple of weeks with this American missionary couple who lived about 3,000 feet down, where it was hot and dry. Um, and I spent a couple of weeks with them, and, and it was an amazing time. The best bit was, every morning at 6 o'clock, Weaver, who's the, the guy, he got up 6 o'clock, because that's when he had his quiet time. I'd never really done, had time with God at this stage of my life. I'd never really just had regular time with God. But every morning I got up at six o'clock and he made a coffee, he sat in a chair, and I sat in a chair quietly. He just had his time doing whatever, praying, reading the Bible, and I did the same thing for two weeks. It was amazing for me at 18 having that just to learn from this guy to see how he w- worked his life to see how he spent time with God you know we did lots of different things together it was amazing to spend time with someone to just learn from wisdom particularly even someone older someone who'd been a Christian a lot longer than i had so spending time with people learning from people is an amazing way to get wisdom from God and also from life's experiences God gives us wisdom and i've mentioned Joseph he'd already been a farm boy he'd managed cattle he'd worked in a household he'd managed that so from the things he'd done from his CV if you like he had some wisdom already from that as well so lots of different ways so what is God like in this passage well God is in charge he is sovereign he's the one who's planning he's the one who's giving the dreams he's the one who's giving the interpretation of the dreams he's the one who's bringing it about he's the one who's saying I'm going to bring this this is about to happen Joseph says God is about to bring this it's going to happen right now. God's told you twice because it's going to happen right now. God's going to do it. And, jo- and God is also the one who's put Joseph there. He's the one who's been planning. So actually Joseph is in Egypt. It might not have happened through ways that were very kind to Joseph, but, but God's allowed Joseph to be there for this moment, for, for this time. And he's the one who's given the understanding. And God's also the one who's fulfilling his promises. Um, and we're going to see in the next week how he's raised up, how those dreams that Joseph had when he was younger, when he saw dreams of his brothers bowing down to him, we're going to see how that works out, But God's going to fulfill that. We're going to see how God continues with his promise to Abraham in, in Genesis 12, that I'm going to make you into a great nation. We're going to see how that works out. And God d- doesn't just give vision, but he also gives plans. He also gives strategy. So, so when Stu and Mel moved up here, God spoke to them about moving here, And then God showed them how to do that. God helped them to bring people around them. He gave them a strategy for it. Um, I knew some guys who worked in uh, another part of Zimbabwe. They had a church in a big city. And one night God said, I want you to split the church up overnight into five different churches, different parts of the city. And he was like, what? You must be crazy. But he did it, and it just multiplied through that. He had this, you know, really stable thing going really well lots of people brilliant and just overnight okay fine we'll find leaders in these different places we'll have five small units don't know how that's going to work we haven't got buildings we haven't got places to meet not sure how it's going to work but responded and God's just multiplied and multiplied and multiplied and done amazing things more abundantly than would have happened again because of speaking because he puts a strategy in he says this is how I want you to do it it's not just what but I'm going to show you. I'm going to give you wisdom. I'm not just going to say something and then leave you and wander off and I'll just leave you to figure that out. But I'm with you all the way. God cares as well. He cares about this country. He cares about the famine that's coming. He cares about providing for people. He cares about his nation so that they're not going to starve through the famine. And he fulfills his promises. So the big picture in this story, I think the big picture in this story is is redemption. We're just beginning to see the beginning of the way that God saves people, the way that God provides and brings people back to himself in, in difficult situations. And that's a theme that's going to develop through the whole of the Old Testament until Jesus. But it's already beginning to look forward a little bit. We're already in a situation where what is going to happen? Something terrible is going to happen here. How is the nation going to come? How are the promises going to come? God is going to redeem it. God is going to work. Uh, and again I think the Israelites wandering in the desert hearing this I think that would have been very very helpful for them because they were waiting to see how is God going to take us out of this into what he's promised and they're looking and seeing what God's already done so looking forward Jesus is a better Joseph so what, what do we see in Joseph here that we also see but much more in Jesus well Joseph suffered unjustly he didn't do anything to deserve being chucked into a pit and sold, although he was a bit naive and arrogant as a young guy, but you know he didn't deserve that. He didn't deserve to have the accusations made at him by Potiphar's wife and get thrown into prison. He didn't deserve to get forgotten when he'd just been doing and responding and doing what God had given him to do. But he, he, he suffered, and Jesus is the one who actually suffered unjustly really for everyone to take all of our punishment. He's the one who suffered unjustly for us. And I think, has anyone seen Mission Survivor, the Bear Grylls program? Hands up if anyone's seen it. Okay. So Mission Survivor is a kind of survival in the jungle type program. And there are three things that Bear Grylls is trying to drill into the people on Mission Survivor that he wants them to kind of display as traits. So he thinks that's going to be the person who could, who could do it, who could survive in the jungle. And they're... Cheerfulness and adversity, resourcefulness and courage. And I think that Joseph here is, in this story, I think Joseph is like our mission survivor because he's carrying on just cheerfulness despite everything that's going on, trusting God despite everything that's going on. He's resourceful, he's courageous, um, he's facing hardship well. And we look forward and think how Jesus faced hardship, how he came before his father but still submitted to his will in the most terrible situation but not your will, but forgive them, Father. He he just endured that. He waited patiently because he was looking forward. He knew what was coming. He knew what God had for him. He knew he had to go through something terrible that we can't even imagine to get there, but he knew God. And Joseph doesn't charge God with wrongdoing at any point in the story. He's always just waiting. He's patient. He trusts God it's amazing really i, I don't know, I don't know how, what i would have done i think joseph is incredible in, in the way that we see him here joseph always also goes ahead of his brothers he's been sent ahead of them and we're going to see more of that to come but we're going to see how he's come ahead of them into egypt for this time and jesus is the one who goes ahead of us so in john when he's talking to his disciples and we did this in kids work recently where we we made a big Uh, doll's house and put ourselves in it little people because we said that jesus goes ahead of us he says when he's asked about the way and how are we going to get to the father god jesus you know we don't know where we're going he says i'm the way in my father's house are many rooms and if it weren't so would i have told you that i go to prepare a place for you he's the one who's going ahead of us to prepare a place for us to be with him forever when he rises from the dead one of the first things he says To Mary when she comes to the tomb is go and tell the disciples I'm going ahead of them going ahead of them to Galilee I'm going to meet them there he's always going ahead of us he's already done everything whatever situation we're in Jesus says he's the high priest who's been through so he's gone ahead of us he's like the trailblazer so we can walk in that behind him we can call out to him and say Jesus you know what this is like you've done it you've gone ahead of me Joseph he fears God. He knows that God's authority is supreme. He knows that Pharaoh is not really in charge. Um, and you know, Jesus is like this when Pilate says, you know, you know, I've got authority over you. I can do whatever I like to you. Why don't you tell me what's going on because otherwise I can just hand you over. I can have you crucified. And Jesus says, you wouldn't have any power over me unless it were given you from above. Jesus knew that authority. And in, in Exodus when, um, when they've come before to the mountain and, and had the Ten Commandments and there's lightning and thunder and all the people are absolutely terrified. And, um, and Moses says, don't fear, for God's come to test you, that the fear of him may be before you. So he's like saying, don't be terrified. God wants you to fear him. He wants you to realize who he is, but you don't need to be terrified. So it's that, it's that fear, but not being terrified. It's that, wow, God is amazing. <laughs> Gosh, like, and I think that's good for us to think about because it's easy um, to to miss that. Um, and there's so many attributes of God, and He is our best friend. He is with us. He is close. The Spirit lives in us. He's our counsellor, but He's also terribly wonderful. Um, and uh, this probably gets quite a lot, but that for those who have read the Narnia books, a, when they're asking about Aslan, and they, who, who's the kind of the lion? Who's the picture of Jesus really in those books? And Lucy says, well, is he safe? And Beaver says, no, he's not safe. (laughs) What a ridiculous thing to say, but he's good. And God is like that. He's terribly wonderful, but wonderfully good at the same time. So Joseph glorifies God. He's always giving it back to God. He's always pointing to God. And everything comes from him. Everything exists by his power and is intended for his glory, it says in Romans And James says that every good gift and every perfect gift comes down from him, him who doesn't change. And finally, God honors Joseph. Joseph is going to be raised up. We're going to see more of that next time. In response to all of this, in response to being one who has God's spirit, who responds to God, who's been waiting on God, God is going to raise him up. And obviously, Jesus is the one who gets raised up looking forward. In Philippians 2, it says, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God has exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name. So that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. So he's, he's the one who's ultimately exalted. We're gonna see Joseph being lifted up from the pit that Jesus is the one that we're looking forward to who's totally exalted from the lowest position and the lowest relative position considering where he came from who's exalted and lifted up. So lots of things there. So in conclusion, kind of just going back because I've given you too many things to think about. The big story is God is a redeeming God. God loves to bring people to himself to save people. What is God like? He's speaking. He loves to speak to us. He wants us to encounter him in in those ways. God is in charge of everything, even when it doesn't look like it, even when we don't know what's going on, when we're waiting and waiting. Abraham had to wait for years and years and years for the promised son. Moses never even got into the promised land. Um, But it says that he looked forward and he knew what he was waiting for. In, In Hebrews 11, it says, talking about Isaac and Jacob and the other people, that these all died in faith, not having received the things promised, but having seen them, greeted them afar, and having acknowledged that they were strangers and exiles on the earth. They were looking forward to something that they knew God was going to bring it about. Even if they didn't see all of that right there and then, it wasn't instant gratification, but they knew they were looking forward. A wonderful God who, who fulfills his plans. So God plans God cares about us individually. He cared about Joseph, but he cared about the nation. He cares about people groups, and he cares about you and the people you live with and your children and your mum and your dad and all those different people, each one individually, he knows them. And when God acts, God loves to use people. God uses Joseph. God could have just done this all on his own, some other way, but God loves to use people. All through the Bible we see how he just loves to use his people and we can be part of that. God wants to use us lots of different things. You all do different things. You all work in different places. But God wants to use you in different ways because you're all around people. You're all unique. God, Joseph, was totally unique in that place. He was the, he was the person listening to God who God could speak to. And every one of you is totally unique in that nobody else occupies the place that you occupy in the world. It's only you there. And, and God says... He's positioned people in places. He knew where we were going to live. He's put us places for reasons. Practical lessons: so cheerfulness and adversity, I think that comes out of us knowing that God's in charge. Resourcefulness and courage. Fearing God. Having that kind of awe of how amazing He is. Doing what God's given you to do. Just being faithful. I was talking to someone this week at work. I said, oh, how, "How things go?" I think it was at work. He said, "How are things going?" I'm just. That no, wasn't at work. But he said, oh, "I'm just plodding along." I said, plodding's really good. uh, Because, actually, Joseph was plodding along. He was just doing day-to-day plodding. But he kept plodding, and God blessed his plodding. So I think plodding, if if you feel like you plod, plodding's great. Uh, Don't don't disparage plodding. Um, Get wisdom. So if you feel like you want wisdom, God says, ask for wisdom. And then seek it out and mention some ways. Spend time with people. Ask him for it. Look at his word. Give the glory to God doesn't mean we have to say oh i didn't do anything but we just look back to god and we we tell people we say god's enabled me to do this and be ready for him to speak to you and make space for him to speak to you um and and find people you know who you know god speaks to in different ways ask them how it is for them it's different for everyone we don't all hear god in the same way but god loves to speak to all of us and there isn't one of us who god doesn't want to speak to i don't really want to speak to you no i'll speak to that person no he's not like that he speaks to all of us and finally, Jesus is a better Joseph. So he suffered for us. He's a gift to us. He's our redeemer. He's the one who goes before us and makes a way. And he's the one who ultimately gives the glory to God. And then he's the one who's been exalted to the highest place. So I'm going to pray. Um, and then we'll go into a bit of worship time. If there are things there that I have spoken to, you, if there are things that you want to, to pray about, obviously take time to ask God to speak to him now. If you want someone to come and pray with you about specific things, we can, we can do that as well and there'll be opportunity for that. Um, if you're wanting to step out more, maybe in the gifts that God's given you already, if you're seeking to hear more from him, um, I think there's a lot to encounter him with. So I'm just gonna pray, Father, you are amazing and it is amazing that you are this awesome God who speaks to us, who works in us and through us who pays attention to every detail, who plans things that we can't even imagine how you plan everything. We don't even understand understand how you plan everything, but you are amazing. God, thank you that there's so much that we see here in Joseph um, that just tells us how wonderful you are and encourages us, God. I just feel so encouraged in this, um, in how sovereign you are, but in how you bless. You are awesome, wonderful. We just want to give you the glory this morning, God. We want to declare that you are amazing, wonderful. You are with us and you are awesome over us. And we thank you. Amen.